Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we flip the real estate status quo on its head and put loan officers into the driver's seat. We give you all the tools, strategies, resources, and mindset needed to modernize your mortgage business and thrive. And my name is Luke Shankula, AKA Longform Luke, and this is the Loans On Demand podcast. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Loans On Demand podcast, the show where we help loan officers flip the status quo on a real estate agent to put loan officers in the driver's seat. And man, I'm excited because today we have Ramon Von Walker. He is the president of Client Direct Mortgage. And man, he's a stud. He's been a top producer for years now. I know you're doing some cool things on the Consumer Direct side. So I'm excited to dive in, chat a little bit with how you're surviving or maybe thriving in this crazy market that we're in. So welcome to the show, man. Thanks, thanks. I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Love your energy. Love what you're doing for loan officers out there. You're helping them navigate. I mean, years prior, they haven't needed to have a certain skill set in order to get business, right? Kind of fell out of trees. And a lot of them out there don't know a lot of us. Always learn new things too. Don't know what to do and, and how to get business. And you're solving that problem for people. So that's extremely useful. And I know everybody's knocking down your door because I see it happening on social media. <laughs> like, help, help. Yeah, and for sure. And, and, you know, it's obviously crazy days right now. And we'll get into some of the strategies. But before we get there, do you want to sort of dive into, you know, who are you? What's kind of your background? And what got you into this crazy mortgage industry, man? Okay, well, I always tell myself beforehand, like, Ramon, don't be long winded. Don't be long winded. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys the condensed version. So sure. I'm a crossover skill guy, right? So two careers, basically. So I did IT in college in my ass. Worked with Target, finance. I was an IT guy in finance and I went on to the Oakland airport. I did IT there. And then at some point, I think it was 2008 or so, 2009, I said, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to get my real estate broker's license. Mm. Did that. Perfect timing because right when I quit that job, and I got my license is when the financial crisis started. So, <laughs> so it was like, everybody told me I was done. All my family, oh, you're an idiot. What are you doing? It's a good job. You went to college to be able to get this. And now you got the job. Like, nope, I'm quitting. I'm going to be an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, they're like, this is what you get, right? So grand opening, grand closing. But some of the best, I mean, you know, that's what it felt like, grand opening, grand closing. But because I was into like researching a little bit, right? IT, you know, you got I learned what an asset management company was. I kind of did some research on what the cycle meant and what mm-hmm. happened back in the 90s when I wasn't paying attention to Jack. But, right. You know, whatever cassette tape, right? You know, that I wanted to throw in, right? Or, that was the important things back then. But I figured out was, and what I was able to get to was selling REOs. So my first yeah. business, business is selling a couple REOs. You know, fast forward a couple of years, those things came, started to go away. I could tell that wasn't going to last forever. And I said, where do I go from here? Am I going to be a realtor? Or I think I picked up a Scotsman guy. That's what it was. I was in a real estate office, picked up a Scotsman guy, flipped through it. It happened to be one that had the top originators in it. Mm. So I'm reading through it and I was like, what is this? I'm like, oh, this is like the top people in the mortgage. I'm like, look at what business they do. So I got enamored by mortgage in that instance, right? And that lobby, I can actually remember the lobby of the real estate place I was at. So uh, I told myself, I'm going to be on this list. And here we are today from there. <laughs> right? Fast forward a couple of years, huh? A little bit more of that. I mean, listen, the secret to my success and why I have those old like, 2015, 14, you know, 17, 18 top originator awards is because I was just kind of early to online lending. When everybody mm-hmm. thought that online lenders were the worst thing in the world, they can't execute, they can't do this, never. Right, right, right. Online. I used to listen. I used to love it. Oh my God, I used to love people saying that. 
because I was top on Zillow. I was in the top three. Little me mm-hmm. started brokerage in the top three. And I was like, I need to add another state. I need to add another state. So I started adding more states. So that's how this path started. And then you can see my production levels go up and up and up. From that, you can see, oh, yeah, one state. Oh, we had three states. Oh, we had nine states. Oh, yeah. So, and then I was able to buy more leads and buy more leads and put together a system and train a couple more people and all that sort of thing. So we had this organic scaling sort of, you know, aggressive run at business. And we had a really good run up until 2019 or 20 when I decided, okay, I'm not burnt out. I'm like maxed out with time. Right, right, right. I mean, so now what we're going to do is... A lot of people are asking what I did. Hey, can you show me how to be a top originator? So on and so forth. So I said, you know what? We'll start this other company. But before I do, I did learn that, you know, the systems, the platform, everything that I had done was too difficult for the normal LO, right? right. The crossover skills that helped me. So we built an end-to-end platform on Salesforce 2020 to 2022. We opened up Client Direct. We put a bunch of data and, and, and email, everything you want into the platform, everything that made me successful kind of put into this platform. And now that's what we're offering to people. So now we've kind of finished the whole platform. Uh, we put a rev share component in there too. So there's all the downline recruitment stuff. And at this point, my time spent teaching, training LOs, motivating them. You see, you'll see the future millionaire thing. Yep. Yep. Your content on social, man. I see you going ham on social right now, which is awesome. So yeah, that's good. So, and I love the future millionaire thing that that's kind of the new, I don't know if it's a new tagline, but that's the tagline I've been seeing you talking about on your social, your reels, things like that. Right. Which is pretty cool. So before we kind of get into that, because I want to dive into that. So you basically went consumer direct sort of online leads, online platforms pretty early on. Obviously you have the tech background, which probably was made it easier for you to set up, you know, CRMs, you know, automations, drips, things like that, that created the efficiencies that allowed you to scale that sort of a thing. Because what I tell people all the time is, you know, if you're referral based, you have to fundamentally change the way you do business to take on a consumer direct component, right? And so many people like try to basically do the same thing they do on referral side for consumer direct side and they fail miserably and then just say it doesn't work. Clearly it works because you've made it work for now years. So talk a little bit about that. What did that sort of look like in terms of, obviously the platforms are complicated, but there's ways to do it. And I think in a little less complicated way. So how were you able to do that grow? And then also obviously do all the work that required, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, And you know, it's not as complicated as what it used to be. You know, when I got into business, there nobody was talking about an IT stack. Now everybody, right? Stack. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we're trying to get more efficient, but right. There's this one element or this one quality that's kind of, I think, above all of those things. Whether it be how I get the leads, where I get the leads, you know, what I have to get after the leads, if you will, and that could be a crutch because some people think, oh, I need voicemail drop, or I need text message, I need this and I need that, right? No, you don't need that. What you need is the will to be consistent, right? Yes. That's the one thing that you need. And don't go and do this. But I tell people from the gate, like, you come sit down in the seat and I'm going to coach you up on this stuff. Say so you can get up right now if you don't have the will and desire to be consistent. If you're looking at the clock, right, and counting how many seconds have I put in, right, before I get a deal back, you lost, yep. right? There's something you've got to do. It's mindset. Like when I coach folks and we put together a little coaching program for our loan officers and the beginning of my coaching program is all mindset stuff, right? Yeah. Income producing activities, PKP, you have to be a product knowledge pro, right? You want to be able to fit whoever into whatever box IDC, you're an intense 
daily competition. You should always feel like you're in competition, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's coming to eat your lunch. Somebody's like, I feel like somebody's going to take this cup of coffee out of my hand, right? That's the mentality. Of, yeah. uh, I have to hold on to my coffee and not let the next person try to uh, take it. That means I'm putting in the energy. I'm putting in the effort to win is basically what it comes down to. So I think when you look at the two sides, there's a little more leeway on the sphere of influence, right? Mm-hmm. The, sure. The credibility, the trust factor. Those things are already instilled. So there's not the necessity to call them within 90 seconds. You don't know about the exponential fall off or the statistical reduction of conversion numbers as time goes on. Then one hour, I'm at 50%. Then four hours, I'm at 25%. At 12 hours, I'm at 0%. I might as well burn my money up on that lead because I can't get a lead at eight in the morning and at eight at night. It's over with, right? The other thing is like, there's no exclusivity because it's the internet. So right. the opportunity, and that's what you got to see it as. There's a point, somebody wants help, right? You don't see a fireman when they get a call sitting around waiting 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to go help get that person out of that car. Right, right. Essence, right? So that's what the whole thing is. It's a time is of the essence business. If you can adopt that mentality, if you really want to win, if you say, hey, this channel business can produce a lot of revenue for me, right? And if you agree with that, you say, and then, and then at some point you have to decide, I'm willing to put in the work. My availability is this, right? So I tell people too, we have something called 25, 50, 25, 50, 100, right? And that is your commitment level to doing the business. You have to identify which one you are. Now, if you have another job, if you have other responsibilities, things like that, then you need to say, I'm a 25% LO. That then equates to your time, right? And when you can actually call people back and how you should set expectations for your clients, all that sort of thing. And all that stuff has to be thought out and planned. But if you don't do that, spirit influence allows you to just show up and take a referral. Oh, I'm sorry. My kid was sick all day. I had to go pick them up. So are you still good? And they're like, yeah, call me in. I'll be home at 730. Yeah. 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 Okay, no problem. Right? Listen, the consumer direct doesn't care about the kids being sick. I know it sounds like kind of hardcore, but other people are going to make that phone call. Other people want that lunch. So I know it's kind of long-winded, but... The point here is mentality, 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 the will to be consistent. And then we can teach the rest. Everything else can be learned, right? But nothing's going to do it for you. Everything else is just a marginal enhancement, right? To tick your numbers up a little bit. If you're a 30% converter, maybe the voicemail drops will make you a 38 or 39, but you're not about to be, you know, like, I'm going to go kick my feet up, let these voicemails get dropped and then wait for my phone calls to come in. Doesn't work. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's one of the things I talk about all the time online is call the leads. I don't care if it's consumer direct leads, if it's your referral leads, just whatever. Call the damn leads. People are not doing the work. And it's interesting that like you see this in Facebook groups too. People will talk about how, you know, they get a referral and they call them twice. And they're like, what do you do after you call them twice? Like, what do you mean? You only call referral lead twice? These are people that literally have borrowed trust. Someone told you to reach out. They told them to reach out to you. Why would you not call them until they tell you to F off? Like, Like, what? It doesn't make any sense. And yet they do the same thing with internet leads. And, you know, again, consumer directs is a different monster. When we talk about the, you know, five minutes versus 30 minutes is a hundred times greater chance to get a hold of someone, right? Yeah. Like calling them within 60, 90 seconds. And I think it's even worse now, right? Because the consumer is fearful right now, just like everybody, loan officers are fearful, but the consumer is fearful. And they're also more sophisticated because they've opted in yep. probably to multiple funnels over the last okay. 10 or 20 years. And so now they're like, okay, well, if I opt in, I know I'm going to get calls. So I'm just going to screen those calls. Right. Right. And so we have some strategies. You talked about it, right? You know, like there's different strategies, but the main bottleneck typically is contact, right? You just need to get a hold of them. The quicker you get a hold of them, 
the less work you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. And everything else, you know, yeah, obviously there's other bottlenecks, you know, are you taking the application over the phone? Are you setting proper expectations on when they should get docs back or getting docs over the phone? Are you getting them with a real estate agent that actually knows how to get them in a contract? Right. There's like all these other bottlenecks that people don't think about because yeah. they don't have to think about that from referrals or sphere of influence. It just comes naturally. These people are super hot and motivated. They don't need that sort of external motivation like you do with consumer direct. So man, I love that you talk about that. And, and obviously regardless if you're consumer direct or not, mindset is the most important thing. Yeah. Right. Even if you don't want to do the grind of calling consumer direct and doing the work that you have to do, mindset in this market is pivotal because the truth is consumers need leaders right now too. Yeah. They need a leader to show up and say, Hey, it's still a good time to buy. I want to talk a little bit about that because I'm sure that is some of the stuff that's coming up now with sort of conversion and people talking about, well, you know, the leads, this, that, and the other. And sometimes the truth is like loan officers don't stand up in their leadership position enough of like, Hey, I understand that the market's high, but if you have the money and the down payment and the income, like it's still a good time to buy as long as you're not planning on selling in a year. Right. You know, there's still good opportunities. Even then there may be opportunities, but talk a little bit about how that sort of process has maybe shifted a little bit in the environment we're in now versus, you know, obviously 2% and 3% rates is probably pretty easy. You know, I talk about myself being, okay, you know, I bring it up when it's relevant. Top originator, I did this much business, so on and so forth, right? But at the same time, I'm also very aware that my career almost started in a low interest rate environment. Right. I told myself, I was thinking about it the other day, I was reflecting, I was like, you are a good salesperson. You're good at establishing trust from the outset. You're a witty person. You're able to formulate your thoughts pretty quickly, and you do drive towards building trust fast. But then after you do those things, you then go for the sort of juggler, if you will. I try to get the application to always be closing sort of thing, right? Right, of course. And in doing that, that technique is fine when rates are low and it's an obvious benefit to someone, right. but driving a 7.5% down someone's throat, it's not gonna happen in one swoop. So, right. you know, as much experience I have and as accomplished as I am, I step back and I've taken some trainings recently to learn two-step sort of like sales. Two-call close type of thing? Yep, yep, yep. Two-call close type of stuff. And then something about me just likes closing the deal in the first call. Right. right? I can call it back just to have a check mark and say I did two calls, but I want to get you in the first call. But some of the techniques that they're using, I get why they say two-step because that you have to go and calculate some things and figure some stuff out. Some stuff that I have the ability to do maybe in real time or I can set myself up to do it. So I'll mm -hmm. still go for that, go for that one. But some of the things that I'm doing, some of the benefits to the client have changed, right? Now we're looking at more of the household blended rate. But what I was taught to do is like, I came up with that blended rate thing a while ago. I was like, listen, look at these credit cards. What is the real, I asked myself, what's the question? I didn't take any training or anything. I said, what's the real rate that this person is paying out of their house, right? right. I was like, look at that, that's $7,000. So I got some school loans there. I see 7% on that thing. This thing is not at 3.875, right? Let's calculate it out. Yeah, this thing is at 6.75, right? Right. So I'll come back and be like, you're at 6.75, but that still didn't resonate that well with them. They're like, right, right. I'm not letting go of my mortgage, right? So you have to sort of like take a different approach and ask the questions. If I could get you in this position, or if I could do this for you, and if I could do that for you, right? You have $4,000 in your bank account. If I can get you a better safety net for your family and have $35,000 in your bank account, would you do this? Would you do this? And if I could do it and the payment was this, would you do it? If the answer is yes to all those things, then you know what they didn't realize is that they just agreed to a seven eight seven five interest rate, paying everything right. off, doing some equity off the table. Hey, I was around. I got into this business in two thousand eight, nine, and ten. I saw people's equity way up here, right, and I saw it drop overnight. 
And in some cases, when it didn't drop overnight, what I did see drop really fast is the lender's rules. And you don't right. know about the lender's rules. What I mean by this is, you know, one day I was able to get 85% LTV for someone, and it seemed like the week later, I was only allowed to get 65% or 70%. So it doesn't matter where your value goes. The fact is, the equity is not available anymore to you. You do the smart thing. Your home is up here. Take some of that off the shelf right now. Put it in your bank account. Pay these debts off so I can keep you at the same payment you're at now. Are you only doing a hundred bucks more? So now I got a hundred, 200 bucks more, right? I got $30,000 more in your bank account and I paid off your credit card bills, right? And I did that because I amortized it over 30 years instead of the credit card that's over, you know, you know, it all works. But majority of situations out there, right? When you're looking at these consumers, that can be the truth for them. They just have to slow down and think about it. But you have to ask these questions in a roundabout way. You right. Agree that the situational is the way I laid this out a better situation for you. Problem with this is, and why you hard to do on, on the first call, you need data, right? right. You need the credit report, you need to see what the interest rate is on, on school loans and everything else. So, you know, you might get pushed into two tier, three tier sort of like sales. But to answer your question, that's what I'm finding a major difference is right now. Because if you go too fast, you get them, they get the application. They say, ah, oh, you know what? I'm just going to hold on to my 3.5 because you're selling the, that's what you're, you know. Right, right. You didn't show them the picture that was valuable enough to get them to move on. So there's a lot of opportunity. I understand that credit card debt, I think went from 900 billion to 1.1 trillion or something like that. 30% increase over the last year, year and a half. It's one of the biggest increases that we've ever seen. Credit card debt is at the highest that it's ever been. These rates are still going up. School loans are now coming back into play. We got to start paying those as of this month, right? So you, my wife sent me her school loans. She's like, look, I still have these. I was like, what? We still have them. You still got these? I thought we took care of all this. I said, I paid my school loans. You're on your own, right? So it's yeah. like that payment is kicking back in, right? So it's like all these things are starting to happen. And there is still opportunity for cash out refinance, right? So it's sure. like, go get it. Go get it. Go explain it to the clients. That's sort of like what I'm teaching LO. That's the major difference I see for myself. And I even had to go out and seek guidance, educators to kind of show me how to sell like that because I never sold like that. Right. Right. It's easy to get someone to go from a 5% to a 2% and that makes sense. Right. But I love that you talked about that because at the end of the day, like we're always in this educational journey and continue to get better. And I don't think there's ever an end point to that as we continue to grow and, and learn new things. And, you know, as we grow too, in terms of company size, you know, as a leader myself, it's just something that I've had to learn too. It's like very different managing one or two people as it is managing 15, 20 people, right? It starts to get crazier, you know, the complexities go there. But in terms of that, I loved what you talked about because it's one of the things we talk about too, is like, even for like questions like timeline, let's talk about purchase a little bit. Like people are like, well, what's your timeline, right? And it's like, well, of course the consumer's gonna be like, oh yeah, six months. But if you ask the question in a different way, like, hey, if we were able to find you a home that you want at the payments that you want, how soon would you want to move? They're most likely going to say right away, right? Oh man, I'd love to move right away. Because again, like the consumer doesn't understand. And this is the importance also of asking good questions. We talk about this all the time, second and third level questions. Because what most salespeople do is they stay surface level. They stay surface level on their conversations. And unfortunately, surface level sales doesn't really work, right? Doesn't allow you to understand their true pain points. And one of the things that I talk about even with my sales team is there's three main things you want to get out of conversation. It's fairly similar to the consumer as well as what's their pain point? Where are they at? And where do they want to get, right? If you find out those three things, you know, you can get there in different ways in the conversation. But if you find out those three things, you have a ton of leverage. And again, this is not about 
convincing someone to get into a bad loan that they shouldn't be in. But this is about painting the picture as to why it does make sense, because it does make sense in some cases to do a cash out refinance. It does make sense in some cases to do a purchase, right? It just depends on their specific situation. But if you don't ask those questions and you're pigeonholing them into a product that maybe isn't so good for them, I think that's unethical. And I think there's also some you know, prescription without diagnosis is malpractice, right? Like you don't go to a doctor's office and, you know, all right, well, we should give you some Vicodin. Yeah. Actually, you didn't even ask me what's wrong with me, right? Like, you know, that's what happens a lot. I mean, that's what happens a lot in mortgages. People just say, all right, well, I'll put you in a 30 year fix. Maybe that's not the best program right now. 100%. 100%. Right. We speak. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We just try to, I really try to get out there and have product diversification. Like now yeah. we have the six month arm, and my investor that has the six month arm just called me and said, hey, Ramon, we're looking at doing a one year. What do you think? And I was like, oh my God, I would love if Capital Markets went and did that because now, We've plateaued. We might have a couple other rate increases, but for the most part, I was just teaching my team today. I was showing them the SOFR over the last year and a half. Okay. SOFR runs very parallel to what the Fed funds rate is here at overnight funding rate, which banks lend to one another on overnight. Uh And you can see in last summer, like we showed them from May, because that's when I was selling the six month arm. I'm trying to teach them how to sell it again. So from May of 2022, for the first six, seven, eight, nine months after that, you saw this very steep sort of uphill, right? But I showed them in over the last six months, there's some time in between there, but over the last six months, it's really plateaued, right? You've got to see this with the sofa. So I was like, so what this means is when we give a client a rate now, the cap is 215 on it. So it's not likely that they're going to have that same upward trajectory again right. at this point, right? So right. We're not going to go up to two points like the guy that I gave a 2.875 to. And he's at 4.875 and now he's at 5.87 because he went up to the first and one the second in the six months. But now these other guys don't have to worry about that. They're going to be at the rate they are. And more than likely, what will happen is as rates start to come down, they'll start to see the other side of the hill. Right. Right. So in the beginning, one of us was like, oh, yeah, that's good until you get to the six months. And I was like, well, see, that's just an automatic reflex. I was like, explain to me why it is you say because it can reset because it can reset no it will reset but what do you think it will reset to do you have the knowledge do you have the charts are you showing historical data are you showing where we expect to go into the future are you showing what the fed said today did you watch the news today right and so these are all the things that i've done for years and i was like this is your job this is the information that you need to bring to people to put them into the right decisions and i think that's for loan officers too. And they can continue to win the business no matter what market they're in, if they're willing to get that type of knowledge. And it doesn't have to be around everything. I, you know, mortgage is big, but find your arena, find your niche, and then talk to somebody like you so that way they can have a funnel or a conduit of getting those individuals that are their niche in out in front of them. Um, right. As far as like leads and consumers and all that sort of thing, right? Because really at the end of the day, like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I mean, you maybe you can tell me, but I kind of feel like we're all in some shape or form. There used to be this real separation between like, this is consumer direct, this is sphere of influence. But the line's getting blurred. Like, you know, sphere of influence, you're doing online sort of things. You're having a presence. You're having people watch you that don't yep, know. Yep. So that's not necessarily sphere of influence. That could be considered, or is it? Or, so it's starting to be this mesh because of the way that the consumer digests information. Right. Uh, and listen, if they've been watching you for the last two months and then they decide to, I'm going to ping them, right? And then they don't hear from you for a day. Then, you know, they'll probably ping the other person they're watching. They're not just watching you, they're right? Watching you, right. So it's like you have to have some of those techniques and discipline, you know, the traditional or the old school consumer direct people have. 
if you will. But yeah, sort of. I agree. We talk about this all the time is sort of the advent of the hybrid loan officer, which is kind of the melding of both worlds. It's like, I think having both skill sets is the ultimate loan officer, for, especially for nowadays, because like, I mean, you got to think about it. Like if you go look at buying a home, you go Google that. Most of the top listings now are things like get pre-approved, things like that, right? So the consumer is starting to go towards that sort of side. And so the people that know how to adapt to the new strategies are going to win. And then also, I mean, we'll talk about this, but I mean, because like the other thing too is he who has the lead wins, yeah. right? Like he who controls the lead is the one that's going to have leverage. This is why real estate agents have been the top of the totem pole for so long and why they've controlled everything, right? And loan officers like to hate on real estate agents, but at the end of the day, they've understood that going direct to the consumer gives them all of the power. And so they get to pick and choose who they work with. You get to do the same thing as a loan officer. If you just get off your butt and learn how to do consumer direct, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to buy leads, but as you mentioned, you need to be on social media, putting out content, right? And that's going to get you consumers. Maybe it's your sphere of influence, but it's also going to be random people that find you on social. If you're doing reels, I know again, Ramon, I know you're doing a lot of reels these days. That's a big hot item right now. Reels, TikToks, short videos, long form videos, right? YouTube is another platform where you can go consumer direct without having to, you know, do the whole buying leads type of thing or running Facebook ads or running Google ads or things like that. There's different models. I just believe that as a loan officer, you are going to get left behind if you don't learn how to go consumer direct in some form or fashion. I don't know what you think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And you know what? I coach a lot of loan officers now because we're starting to get, you know, the rubber's meeting the road a little bit with getting loan officers into our company. And I've kind of stepped away from, because of completion, putting our platform together and our rev share. So that stuff is mm-hmm. kind of in the rear view Mara now. And I'm spending my time helping LOs sort of like, you know, learn the business, learn our platform, navigate things easier. And one of my classes on the social media is really parallel to me sort of reinventing myself because if you see i have like 90 followers on my new but i'm doing it like every day i'm like a veteran i'm like sending it up i have all studio things set up so totally committed but the thing that's interesting i was explaining to them like social media has so many different tentacles and angles yes everybody looks at followers okay followers is one way but the way my mind works is like everything goes into like a math equation i was looking at something i started commenting on more people's things right i was like you know what you could be a commenting social media person and not have very much presence at all and still get some kind of equivalence to someone that has a good amount of followers as far as the interaction and the ability to take a conversation offline I was explaining that to them. I kind of tested that. There was this realtor that was having an event. And I was like, is it okay if I send a couple of prospective home buyers to your event? They're looking to be, and I think what you're doing is great, blah, blah, blah. They responded back. They gave me the phone number and everything, right? That's just me commenting. We took all the top realtors in the country that we're approved in the 33 states. There's like 47,000 of them or something like that. We scraped that data down and put it in our Salesforce. So now we send them emails about you're in our company's top realtor registry. We want to offer you this. We want to offer you that. And mm-hmm. then we need them open the emails. And then from how many times they open them, right? We might say anybody that opens it more than four times, we send them out to the loan officer to talk to, right? So that's how we kind of like are trying to warm up our filter through this stuff. But the first thing I tell them to do is don't call them immediately. Go on their social media first, right? Yeah. Social media and identify who they are. Like if you look at me, you say he's a LinkedIner, right? He has 15,000 people following him on LinkedIn. His Facebook is like, you know, any other regular person in there, a couple thousand. 
his Instagram is really light, but now I see he's really trying to do Instagram, right? And let me give the poor guy a like, right? <laughs> but on the, a lot of those realtors, I know there's a lot of them on Instagram, but yes. not people are commenting on their stuff. They'll have like nine hearts and two comments. I was like, I would just sit here and comment all day long and give them compliments, right? And then yeah. call them the week later or whatnot. So it's like, there's a lot of opportunity. So going back to the people who are on social media that like the LOs I see on my team, they're kind of like fearful to start our, yeah, Ramon, I see you, but you have your lamps up and you have this and it's looking good and all that kind of stuff, right? And I was like, listen, you can approach this a couple of different ways. Like get in there, look at the list of people that I'm sending you over and start interacting with them on their platform, on their yep. social, their comments. It's an endorphin release. When I get a comment, even me, I'm like, oh, I got a comment. Yeah, I got a comment. Yeah. I'll be looking at that. If you watch this whole thing, see my eyes go like that. I got a comment. <laughs> Which dopamine, bro. Yeah, dopamine addicts. Right. That's how strong it is. And you yeah. can tap into that and nobody else is tapping into that. What? It's like, come on, guys. So there's so much opportunity out there. Us loan officers just need to get the guidance and just, and again, have the will and desire to do it, you know, want to win. And it's hard right now because it's hard, you know, it's extremely excited or, and there's a lot of things to be, you know, down about in the market. But if you can get away from those things, we don't give a damn about the rate. Like we don't right. care what the Fed is doing. We don't care about any of that stuff, right? There's deals still happening and we want to be a part of them, right? Yep. So we we'll find a way to do that and that's it, right? Nothing else matters. So yeah, that's sort of my take. I love it, man. So in terms of that, you know, one of the things that we talk about is like, you can't control the rates and you can't control the inventory. So get that out of your vocabulary. I mean, so many times people bring to it, like, what's your biggest problem right now? Oh, rates or whatever, or inventory. It's like, that isn't your biggest problem. Your biggest problem is you haven't done the math and understood that in this market, instead of having six realtors that are referring you business, you might need 30 realtors that are referring you business. Instead of a hundred leads, you may need 400 leads in order to close the same amount of business or even half the amount of business. You just need to have more conversations with more people because there's people buying, there's people refinancing, there's people doing transactions. The problem is you are still caught up in 2020 and 21 mentality that people are just going to fall from the sky and you don't understand that it's going to take more actions to get the results you talked about the very beginning of this podcast, right? The lagging versus leading indicators. We always like to focus on results, but the yeah. truth is it leads to the results of the actions. And the only thing we can control are actions. Yeah. We can't control the government, the environment, nothing that's going on right now we can control. What I love about what you said as well, kind of going back to your social media content is we talk about this concept as well as like the 555 method of like, so many times people get on social media and post and ghost, right? And they're like, what's going on? Why isn't it working? Or they think the business posts, only business posts are the things that are going to get them business. The truth is most people are actually going to be attracted to people that are like them, right? So commenting, what you did, commenting on their post, liking and engaging on their posts, like, but not just commenting, that's great, or that's cool, or, you know, things like that. Like actually thinking about what is it that they're saying, responding in a way that's like a real interaction like you did. Specifically saying, hey, I can send you some people over. And that is a massive way that you can basically create warm calls out of cold calls yeah. is literally go on LinkedIn, go on Facebook, go on Instagram, go on TikTok, engage on these people's stuff. All of a sudden you can be like, Hey, you know, we've been chatting. I love your content. We'd love to chat sometime. All of a sudden you're like, give them a call. And you're like, Hey, you know what? I've seen your content on social media. That's such a much warmer call than like, Hey, did you play this weekend or did you work? <laughs> I want your leads. Right, right, right. Yeah, like I saw something at real estate office the other day. They were just showing a couple of people in the transaction coordinator or something. One of them was having lunch. And I put on there like, damn, that Chipotle looks good. I'm about to go get some for lunch. I'm about to go right now and go get some for lunch. Right. And they were like, oh, yeah, it was so good and blah, blah, blah. It's just 
be a person, like get in there and, you know, interact how you would normally. I never thought about that before, to be honest with you. not until so recent for me, right? And it's just like, my mind is just constantly, you know, going, trying to figure out how. So it's just like, you know, if I'm in a space, I can start to learn, you know, and I think I'm just allowing myself to be in this space and right because I'm starting to learn how to engage people. And like you said, it's the likability. If you're thinking too much about it, it's probably wrong. Right. Um, you know, so it's just like, go be your natural self, engage people, understand that you're not throwing a comment into the best. There's somebody on the other end of it. Right. right. It's just another form of conversation and communication and get out there and do it and hold yourself accountable. Say, I'm going to comment 10 people today, every day. Right. Right. I'm going to be 20. Right. And go do it. And then start doing something for your account. Talk about how you commented on other people's stuff and what it did for it. And then boom, there you go. So I think anybody can get started. As I looked across my group, I have all different ages of folks, I have different experience levels. And I think I sort of came to this too, because I was looking at that. I was like, well, this particular person is probably not about to be a social media, you know, essentially. And part of that too was like, what can I do? What I do? Or what can I do? And I was like, you know what? This is the avenue. So then I was explaining that to them. And said, like, yeah, okay, this is the direction I'll go. And I was like, yeah, there's room for everyone. Just find your spot, you know, find your, whatever you want to call it, tribe, your way of doing business, your way of communicating, whatever it is. But there's space out there for everyone. They need to engage. Yep. Well, and you talked about consistency as well. I think that's the thing about social media too is, you know, they hear Gary V talking about, oh yeah, you got to post, you know, on all the platforms and 40 times a day or whatever his crazy metrics that he talks about. I went to the aim fuse conference in 2019 and he's talking about that. So all these mortgage brokers come out of that conference thinking they have to go on all these platforms that they maybe did that one day and they never right. did it again. And you're like, okay, bro, like this is my suggestion to anybody is like, choose one platform and consistently post, even if it's three times a week, once a week to start, twice a week to start, three times a week to start, then four, then five, all of a sudden two times a day, all of a sudden maybe you can start posting one video a week, maybe it's two videos a week, then it's three videos a week. Like, Don't think that you need to start a hundred posts a day and you gotta post on 10 different platforms. Choose one, whatever platform that you use the most right now, Choose that one, focus on that one, get good at that one, get good at writing, get the video, whatever it is that you're doing, get good at that platform, understand how the algorithm works, understand what gets you more reach, understand that sort of stuff. Before you start to dabble in those, I've done Facebook forever. And now I'm just trying to get into LinkedIn and Instagram. And I have like 20,000 followers on LinkedIn only because I basically spam my way to that. Right. Um, right, but, right. but, you know, the yeah. marketer. <laughs> typical marketer just, freaking, right. you know, adding everybody just cause, but you know, I, you know, it's, what I'll just say is this, like always comes down to consistency and focusing on those platforms and also putting in three to six months minimum before you start to see responses a lot of times or results. Yeah. And so, you know, one thing I'll say is like, I know I've been seeing your stuff. And one of the reasons I actually reached out to you was like, oh man, he's engaged on some of my stuff. I'm just going to hit him up, man. Like I might as well see if he'll come on the podcast. And, you know, here we are doing a podcast episode and the value of a platform like social media, any of these platforms is you do get to connect with people across the country that maybe you wouldn't have an opportunity to connect with any other way. And so I think that's a powerful strategy and tool. So yeah, if you're listening to this and you're not using social media, obviously do that. We've talked about consumer direct. I think that's a huge tool as well. Don't want to take too much of your time. If you were to like go out there today, start over or go out in this business right now and, and go get business, what would you do? Or what's like one or two strategies that you would implement right now to go out and get business if you're a loan officer, which you are, but if you're to yeah. start again. Yeah. I mean, have a niche, right? Figure out who it is that you're going after. If you don't do that, then you're just going to be pulling yourself this way and that way, and you'll mm -hmm. not get much penetration on sure. 
So having a niche and an idea of who it is you want to go after and where you want to spend your time, because to be consistent, you know, being consistent, you're swinging that bat and right. start doing it a bunch of different ways. You're not going to figure out how to hit the ball out. So that is multiple, you know, faceted. So you're looking at who you're going after on respect. And then from there, you're like, what products does that group need? Like, what do I really need to learn to be able to service them? Like, for example, you know, I find that a lot of loan officers at our company don't have existing realtor relationships. Sure. They got to go out and figure out how to get realtor relationships. So they've called about DPA assistance. They've called about every other Fannie Mae product under the sun. And everything else. And this is not compelling, it's not moving to individuals. So I was like, right. guys, we've got to develop something that's, you know, we'll have someone stop and really not just hear you, but listen to what it is you're saying. So right. we develop the business development program. And that's where we pay different verticals, whether it be a realtor, CPA. Some people are not even a part of, they don't have another vertical. They work with us exclusively as a business development rep, but they're outside sales rep who generates business and leads into the company, right? And they're W-2 employees, that's important, right? So they're W-2 consistent, bona fide employees, but they're now working with client direct in this business development division, which is responsible for bringing leads into the company. Sure. And then that becomes a company lead and a loan officer gets to work on that particular lead. So now this group of loan officers is going out telling the realtors about this program. So sure. funny because I tested it out first and I'm calling realtors about it. And these are top realtors. This is out of our top realtor registry. And leaving voicemails. And this is the first time ever I'm getting a call back. So right. I know that, you know, this thing is pretty solid. When we sent the email out, I did a test. We sent it out to 8,900 realtors, right? Again, top realtor registry realtors by side. That email performed extremely well. It had a 52% open rate, right? And I was like, wow, we really hit it with the subject line on this one. And we sent it to Rod Contact. I imagine a lot of them went to junk, but still in yet. And then we had thousands of people that have opened it greater than five times. So, you know, we took those. Yeah, we took those and started. So I imagine they were sending out to other people or doing this or kind of just showing. Right, right. See the level of interest. Then I show that in my daily trainings. I show all the metrics. I was like, guys, these are metrics. This is what the sales force does. This is how I do this. And this is how I do that. And they're like, ah, oh, wow. Right. But that kind of stuff, I'm like, this is fuel for you. I'm sharing this with you. So it's the gasoline. I need you to get out there and run. I need you to stop being negative. I need you to stop being depressed. I need you to pick yourself up off the ground because I'm going to get it every single day. And I need you to run and get it with me, right? Right, right. I'm going to do my part to try to help you guys get these opportunities. And all you have to do is have the will, desire, be consistent. I'm showing you what products to sell. And I'm showing you how to talk to these individuals. Now, is everybody going to want to do this program? No, everybody's not going to want to do it. But I bet you had a conversation with them. I bet you had a 15, 20 minute conversation. You were able to tell them about the six month arm product or the one year arm that's coming and all these other things that you can help them with, right? So that's the key for our company. Really trying to have something compelling to slow down the referral partner and have them listen to us as opposed to just hearing all the noise that's out there. And so far, I love it. early stages, but so far it's been pretty good. I'm happy with it. That's awesome, man. Interesting brought that up because one of the things we talk about this all the time is like loan officers all sound vanilla. They all sound the same, right? They all are saying the same stuff. They answer their phones. They have good rates, which no one has good rates right now. So that's a lie. And that they work weekends, all this stuff everybody's saying, right? And at the end of the day, it's like, okay, in marketing, we're taught to create a unique value proposition, to create an offer. Those are things, unique mechanisms. Like these are all strategies that we're taught in marketing, but for whatever reason, in 
this space, you're not taught that, you know, loan officers aren't taught how to craft an offer. And so we're literally like training loan officers how to craft an offer. Like, Hey, what is it that you do better or different? And one of the things that I keep sort of pounding into their heads is like, so Russell Brunson talks about this. If you're familiar with Russell Brunson, he talks about an improvement offer is considerably harder to sell than a new offer, a new opportunity offer. Right. And so it's like, how can you create something that's a new opportunity, which is ultimately what you guys have done is here's this new opportunity you've never heard of. Come yeah. check it out. Right. And one of the things that we do is like one of our hooks when we reach out to real estate agents, because we do help our loan officers set appointments with real estate agents is, Hey, you know, we're generating 40 to 70 leads a month. You know, there's no cash. We're looking to refer some deals out to people in the area. Man, we get massive, massive uptake. People that are interested in that. Top producers, 30, 60, 90 transactions a year. These are real estate agents, right? Because they're not used to loan officers that are doing that. Right now, I believe that you shouldn't hang your whole entire business on just leads or just giving them deals, right? I think you need to have a three or four pronged approach. We're like, hey, yeah, one of the things we do is we give leads back to our preferred partners. The other thing that we do is we have a process to go mine your your database. We're going to help you pull more conversion out of your database. Maybe another thing you can do for them is, hey, you know what? We're consumer direct. Are you buying leads right now? We're going to teach you how to increase your conversion rate by 10% or whatever. Here's our numbers. You know, Again, that's depending on who you are and what your skill set is. Those are ways that you can craft your offer just to be compelling and be like, hey, like I'm different. I'm different than everybody else. I do all those things that all the other loan officers say they do. And I also do these things, yeah, right? And that's the difference between, I think, the loan officer that survives a market like this and gets the business from realtors and the one that doesn't, right? Because again, if you're sounding like everybody else, you're just going to get lost in the noise. And why would someone go to you? Because you're marginally better than, right, than the person they're currently using. If you're just a little bit better than them, it's like, okay, well, why would I go to you? Because maybe an eighth of a point better for my clients. Maybe you can close a deal you know, one day earlier. Maybe you answer your phone at nine o'clock instead of eight o'clock. But most loan officers are doing that anyway. They're freaking, you know, answering the phone at all times of the day. So like, I don't know. I just think what you guys are doing is brilliant and making sure that as loan officers, if you're listening to this, like sit down and actually think about it. And it sucks. Yeah. Loan officers like to move hundred miles an hour and just move, move, move. But the truth is sometimes slowing down is the best thing you do to really create momentum because like you have to identify and you can use tools like ChatGPT or Claude or one of those tools to actually help you create a yeah. unique mechanism and craft an offer. Like I've been using it a lot to help loan officers like open your minds. There's so much opportunity for you if you just try. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Think so, through nine ideas, the tenth one will be good. Yeah, exactly. I know a lot of the ideas are bad, but again, this helps you iterate faster at a level that we haven't been able to do it ever before. Right. I mean, these technologies are ridiculous. So I know we've gone a little over there, but you know, thank you so much for your time today, Ramon. If someone wants to learn a little bit more about client direct mortgage and what you guys are doing or just connect with you online, where is the best way that they can reach out to you? Yes. Yes. The shameless plug. Thank you. Yeah, you know how to do this. <laughs> it's CDM for like client direct mortgage. So CDMRevShare.com. So www.cdm for client direct mortgage, RevShare, R-E-V-S-H-A-R-E.com. So that's it. Find us there. A lot of information about what we're offering, the downline, the cap out, business development program, all the fun stuff is right in that one site. So check us out. We're growing we're innovative. We're doing a lot of hybrid sort of stuff between that. It's funny because it's hybrid loan officers. So it's like consumer direct learning sphere of influence. Okay. I'm in realtors now. And it's mm -hmm. learning. Now. Okay. I'm part yep. of the system now. Right. So yep. I'm so hybrid in the sense of the company. It's like, it's like kind of down because we're not delegated, but we're also, we have the mentality of a broker. We're, broker. Sure. we're seeing all of this sort of mesh. We're in a new age right now. Yeah. 
And, you know, for me, like some of the big takeaways from today is you talked about it right at the beginning is being consistent, right? Like the biggest thing in this market above all, I think in any market, but especially in this market is being consistent and showing up every single day, even when maybe you're not seeing the results of your actions right away. Right. I think that's the biggest thing. And it's one thing I've learned, you know, with entrepreneurship and starting a business from scratch is like, usually things are going to take a lot longer than you expect. And most people give up way earlier than they would, right? Especially with something like Consumer Direct. I mean, we tell people three to six months is where you really start to see, you know, Consumer Direct start to around, unless you're doing refi type stuff. But obviously in this market, it's quite a bit harder to do that. But if you're doing purchase stuff, like it takes three to six months and you've never done it before, it might take you longer because you don't have the skill set to convert. But again, I mean, you know, from all these perspectives, using social media, posting videos, even video stuff, right? Like people are like, oh, you're so good on video. I show them some of the videos from when I was, I was moonlighting as a reverse mortgage loan officer at one point. So I have this like reverse mortgage webinar thing that I was trying to do back in 2017. And it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. I show people all the time, like, dude, check this out. This is how bad I was at video. I've done thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of videos since then. This is why I'm good at video. It's not because I'm just naturally good at video. And so, yeah, I mean, to me, uh, consistency is key. So thank you so much, Ramon, for being here. And for anybody who is listening, who wants some help flipping the status quo on real estate agents, go to flipthestatusquo.com. Thank you so much. Have a great night. And thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning into the Loans On Demand podcast on loansondemandpodcast.com. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.